everyone, and welcome to Geek Rant, episode 231. We still do news. Really? Recorded March 20th, 2016, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the only show on the internet that, that is by geeks and for geeks, except for all the other ones. My name is Mark. I am your host, sometimes called the Sultan of the Soapbox. And joining me this week, as always, are you two stalwart co-hosts, Chris, the command line godfather, Neves, and Seth, the gooey kid, Anderson. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, Mark, Seth, and everyone out there in uh, podcast land. It's awesome to be here. Let's uh, let's have a good one. It should be interesting. And I would like to add my greetings to everyone as well. Welcome one. Welcome all. Welcome one and all. Uh, Chris, I was actually planning on having a crappy show, but since you said let's have a good one, I guess I guess we'll go ahead and do that. Good. Good. I like having good shows. Yeah. Um, you, you talk me into it. Here we go. Twisted oh. your arm. So this week, we, we've really been giving short shrift to the news lately. So this week is all news all the time, except for this part where we're not going to talk about any news. Uh, <laughs> so Seth would like you to know that he has now f- switched entirely to Bing because he's now a binger. No, I'm a binger oh. officially. I went, um, I started, I binged watch Daredevil, started it Friday night and finished it Saturday morning. So season two of Daredevil is now officially under my belt so i got a big belt that i can accommodate a lot of stuff there so my wife and i are intentionally um savoring it right because last year we we didn't quite binge it but we came close we watched uh 13 episodes in probably four weeks um and then we had to wait a whole year so we're, we're going to yep. do one maybe two a week but we're going to treat it as if it were a TV show that was released over this period of 13 weeks. I don't know how long it'll last because at the end of, we just watched episode one last night. At the end of that one, it was like, oh, wait, I got to see what happens. Um, so we almost broke the rule right there off the bat with episode one. It's amazing yeah, how the, that happens. I, you know, I mean, no spoilers, but to me, overall, it wasn't as strong as the first season, but they do the cliffhangers superbly it's like wait it's getting good oh next week and then you know so uh they do that really really well so i again i'm only one episode in uh i don't just already before i even saw the first episode i was pretty sure it couldn't be as good as the first season because the first season was so rich and they really took their time to develop essentially two characters uh really one more than the other uh and just reading the previews i know that we're going to have the punisher and we're going to have electra and stick makes a return and there's the whole what is it the hand the sticks gang i, I don't even remember what they're called um but just from reading the previews of it and the, and the talk i know that they've already taken on too much and so it's not going to be as good but that probably means it's going to be faster paced because the first one is really slow now, the first thing I noticed about this first one was it was only 48 minutes. The others were uh, right up to an hour, 50, 55, 60 minutes. Uh, so they've already seemed to take a more uh, TV-friendly approach to it, uh, except for the gore and language. So it's never it's never going to be on TV. The other ones are longer. Okay, so. it's just the first one. All right. Yes. And and the nice thing about uh, a Netflix or HBO or any of those things not where there aren't commercials is you can take your time and you can tell a story. People are in it for the long haul. Yep. It, it's not just a, a 44 minutes and done. So I really appreciate the freedom there. If if it's a 40-minute show, it's a 40-minute show. If it's a 65-minute show, it's a 65-minute show. And all the really good uh, HBO miniseries, and up until just the last few years, it's been HBO and a little Showtime that's been doing that. You know, the... Uh, 
uh, Band of Brothers and um, uh, Sopranos and uh, the Dragon one, Song of Fire and Ice, Game of Game Thrones. of Thrones. Uh, yep. They all have been playing with time as it fits into plot instead of fitting a plot into a time, and I, I appreciate that. And uh, Daredevil appears to be going along that route. Uh, I'm. I, it's a different showrunner, different writers. So I'm a little apprehensive, and Seth, you 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 kind of confirmed that it's not as good, but it's still, I bet, pretty good. It's still good, yes, and it like it can't live up t- to the first one. It hasn't, but or it didn't, but it was still good. And yes, they did do, I think, too much because yeah, they just it was it was too much, and it was different writers. You could tell it had a different feel to it, but overall, it's it's a good solid solid effort and if you like the the marvel netflix i would say it's better than jessica jones uh, yeah um, I, I mean which I, I like jessica jones i thought jessica jones was good but uh, this is better than that i was i was pleased to note that they um uh stuck with the either the same art director or took really strong cues from the original because the lighting the set pieces the uh the the angles of of just filmmaking were again from in that first episode very much in keeping with the with the second one except at the first like the first four or five minutes in the main the first battle scene to to, it's not even the right word you don't even see daredevil which is kind of surprising because early on in in the whole, whole first season it was all about up close uh personal action um and you know i really hope they're not going to carry that trend out no there's a lot of personal action yeah okay in this so and and there you know it came in uh later so we're not we're not going to make this the daredevil show but uh, I, my wife and i watched rewatched season one binge watched it in preparation for season two over the last two or three weeks we've been watching several episodes and even though i knew the story even though i knew what was going to happen those moments that were gotchas the first time still got me. And that is the sign, in, in my opinion, of really excellent writing. Um, you know, it's the same thing when, you know, when I go back and watch Empire Strikes Back, which I've seen dozens of times at that point, at this point, I still get caught up in those moments. Uh, when the, when the blast doors open and Vader is there and, and uh, Han shoots at him and he blocks it with his palm, spoiler alert, um, that scene is an intense Wait, scene. Wait, no! Yeah, and it still surprises me. Not surprises me. I know it's coming, but I still get that intense rush of adrenaline because it's so well written and so well directed and, and everything leads you to that point. They've manipulated your emotions like a puppet on a string to get you to that point. And Daredevil was brilliant in that. It was not television. It was filmmaking. Um, and that it, even having watched it a second time, knowing all the curves, knowing all that was going to happen still at, the, I mean, with the, the, the final episode, when, when they go to the, I'm, I'm going to do as, as non-spoiler as possible because maybe people, people haven't seen it, but when they go to the newspaper office to arrest somebody, even though I knew who they were going to arrest, I was still thinking they were going to arrest somebody else. And that's, <laughs> that's really well done, uh, uh, film storytelling and so i really hope that the second one can at least carry that on even if they're doing too much if they do it well then i'll be happy yeah and if you just got netflix watch the first one before you watch the second one because there's so many things that it they do such a good job of recalling the first season that you'll miss these moments and you'll miss the Oh, I remember when. Um, and so you really need to watch the first one. It's definitely designed to be season two 
and not like a totally standalone thing. Well, that's good. So, have you seen it at all, Chris? No. Um, I watched most of season one, and it just kind of didn't tickle me. The f- didn't tickle my fancy the way I wanted it to, and so I it fell off my queue of things to watch. Maybe I'll go Chris, back. And you pitch might back not up, be but- able to stay on the show much longer. <laughs> I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't understand how you could say that about season one yeah. of Daredevil. Well, like I said, it, it was good. I just never, I, I wasn't a big Daredevil fan. I mean, it was. I liked him. It was one of those characters when I when I would pick his books up when I would be reading it, but. I just never was a diehard Daredevil fan. Yeah, me either. But the series was still phenomenally awesome. So yeah, and, okay, and potato, we put tomato. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to fire you, but I'm definitely going to cut your pay for that statement. Oh, <gasps> um. <laughs> what's what's a cut of free? <laughs> uh, well, I, I got to cut you at least fifty percent of nothing. Okay. Um, uh, so we could we could go. On and on, because I love the fact that it's such a bonanza these days of really good television uh, that's available. Uh, yep. And that excites me um, because the really good television isn't on television. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen, uh, you know, uh, Orange is the New Black, Transparent, all these other things, uh, House of Cards that are getting high acclaim because the thing is there's so much of it. That there's more than I can watch, and and just five years ago I couldn't say that. All the good television I could watch in an afternoon, right? Um, and I can't say that anymore. And that's it's sort of a rebirth of the medium, and I appreciate that. It's Woo-hoo. about time. Yeah, Renaissance. I can't remember who said it, but there was a guy who said television is called a medium because it's rarely well done. Um, oh, and I I have <laughs> felt that for a long time, and really since Star Trek went off the air. Um, and, and, you know, there have been a few things. Law and Order is really good. It's not my thing, but it's really good for what it is, the first one. And then there was Law, Law and Order 90210 and Law and Order South Beach and Law and Order Bikini Babes. And it just, it got to be too much. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. No disagreement there. And the CSI Redneck Edition and, you know, all of those. It's like once we find something that works, let's just really overdo it until it doesn't work anymore. Right. And that's Message sad. received that's, loud and clear. And that's the sad thing about television nowadays is that's that's exactly what you get. You get the same show rebranded five or six times, and then they wonder why they get knocked off the air. So, Chris, you're uh, you've moved to a new world of of YouTubing. Did you pay for the new YouTube Red? Uh, actually, what happened is I was because my daughter has commandeered my Pandora s- subscription. Um, I turned off my contributor for Google, for Google contributor because I don't I'm not using it as much as I thought I was going to but what I did is I took that that money that I was using for contributor and put it towards Google Play Music the unlimited $10 a month that you get unlimited music through Google Music um with a nice side benefit that I didn't realize until after the fact was that it automatically gives you YouTube Red which was kind of cool hmm so for ten bucks, you get YouTube Red and Google, um, Google Play Music without without any issues. Uh, the other thing I noticed is that if I wanted to, I could upgrade to get the Family Pack for six dollars more, which is tempting. So for sixteen dollars, I can give YouTube Red and Google Play Music to the whole house. And so you do that by whitelisting accounts. Is that how that happens? You add, yeah, you add you add accounts to the primary. So 
if I'm the primary, I would just add my son's email address, my wife's email address, my daughter's email address, and they all would sign in and bada boom, bada bing. I had, no, not Bing. Yeah, that's a different company. That's Binge. Oh, Sorry. Darn it. I, I had uh, it's sort of a surreal one of those you really don't get me moments a little while back. My 13-year-old daughter um, has, has one, has, she's always an entrepreneurial type. She wants to walk dogs or babysit or whatever. Her latest business venture is making soaps and selling them for less than she makes. She hasn't quite figured out that whole profit thing. Uh, but she makes really nice uh, custom soaps. Like they, they're shaped like cupcakes. And, and literally when I first saw the batch, I came in from work and there was a batch sitting in the garage on a, on a table there. And I thought they were cupcakes that somebody had set there to cool because they looked exactly like real cupcakes, but they're so, wow. um, she's, she's an amazingly talented girl. Um, and, uh, she came to me one day and said, uh, I need your help setting up a PayPal account. And I said, well, honey, you're 13. You're not allowed to set up a PayPal account until you're 18. But if you need to do some sort of, you know, uh, transaction, I can get you a prepaid credit card. What What is it you have in mind? What is it you want to do that for? And she said, "Well, I'm setting up this website for my for my business." And I thought, "You're you're what?" And I went, and she had some like Weebly site or something like that. And it just it was like a knife through my heart. It's like, honey, do you not know what I do? <laughs> you, really? <laughs> she wanted to do it herself come on yeah but it, and, and i let her do it herself but i set up her domain i gave her a full-on uh actually i started to do a full-on wordpress and i thought well that's a little too much that's probably gonna overwhelm her so i set her up a google sites site under the family domain there you um, go and it's still hers to do with that she please and I, and i told her i'm not gonna give you any instruction i will help you if you get stuck but i want you to get stuck i want you to to experiment and I want you to fail. And when you get frustrated, because you should get frustrated, frustrated is when you learn, come to me and I'll help you out. Uh, so rather than setting it up for, and she'd gone to one of those sites where it's, it was just a, you know, a theme, a template or whatever. And all you put in is like a title and a couple of entries. And, and that's, that's not building a website. Um, so it was just kind of a, it was, it was both made me proud and broke my heart at the same time that she wanted to go build a website, but she had chosen Weebly to do it. Really? Um, so should have went ahead and set her up with a Bitcoin uh, wallet as well. So she could take <laughs> there you that. Go. Um, I guess there aren't any governmental regulations around that. Of course, to link it to a bank, she would have to be um, 18. So yeah, but you don't else. have to link it to a bank. Um, right. You know, the Coinbase, you don't have to. And then um, I don't remember the other Bitcoin wallet I opened up, but just on blockchain, you just basically right. need an email address. Yep. So uh, I'm, I'm not going to take her down that road just yet but uh it was it was just one of those things that at, at one point i guess that's what the web is to 13 year olds any place they can post something is theirs and there's no concept of owning your data or anything like that, like that. uh so it was kind of instructive to me that i've not been doing my job as a parent in in in, in educating my kids in the the world in which they are immersed um, right they're they're full-on users and and um that that was kind of a sobering moment, but anyway, I just thought I'd bring that up. You were talking about uh, getting your kids uh, more on the web, and it just reminded me of that. She she now has a full on web present with with her full on domain uh, that that she owns and can can control, um, and she's super excited about it. But she didn't know it existed, and that was a failure on my part that she didn't know. Sure, you just said your kids are users, Mark. I did. Yeah, I don't want them well, to be they're... users. I want them to be creators. I say it doesn't sound like a user anymore. That sounds like someone who's dabbling and playing. Right. So that sounds like you know 
a large portion of the techs out there. And that's, yeah, that's the whole point. Uh, She has a very low frustration threshold and she tends to give up at the first sign of difficulty. And I'm really Uh, trying to coach her through that because people who do that grow up to be losers, plain and simple. As soon as something gets hard and they quit, those people are losers. And I don't want my daughter to be a loser. I wanted to teach her that failure is part of success and frustration is part of learning. Yep. That's what I did with my son in his Minecraft. Uh, He was asking me how to do all this stuff. And I'm like, well, you have the documents right there with the the how-tos. Go ahead and take a look. See if you can figure it out. And he's gotten to the point now where the only time he comes to talk to me is if he goes, I don't understand what that is. You know, a terminology or something. He's like, what is that? And then once I describe it and explain it, he goes, oh, okay. And then he disappears for another five hours. So you're, <laughs> you're taking your kid to school as you yourself are going back to school. Kind of. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be adding some things to my list of to-dos. With uh, I'm going to be trying to go get some more certs to put under my belt. Um, found out that work has some opportunities that I didn't realize were there. So I figured if they're going to help, I might as well take the help and get some more certs under my belt. So. I got a couple in line, a couple of Linux ones, a couple of um, ethical hacker ones. Stuff CEH? Like that. Yeah. Cool. There's three different courses for the CEH, and we'll see. Uh, it's One is very current and is marked as an advanced class, so it's like maybe I'll start with the other ones that are a little <laughs> more basic, and then we'll move up to the super current advanced stuff. And and even yeah. though they're not paying us to anymore, now seems like a good time to plug our friends over at the Linux Academy. If you're just wanting to start somewhere, you can't you can't do better than you know twenty bucks a month Linux Academy, um, or or so, however much it is now. It might be right. you know four hundred dollars <laughs> a month, but I doubt it. So. Um, I'm pretty sure our URL is still there and, and still discountable. Um, so Seth, you uh, you got all handy in in your your world recently. Yeah, went from bits to to bricks yeah um you know if you're if you're responsible for the maintenance on a house how many times have you done this the bathroom toilet is dripping so you go to adjust the thing but you can't because it's rusted out so you have to replace the flapper valve but then you can't shut off the water because you realize there's a leak above it and then when you get down you notice that leak's been there a while and the floor's rotted out so you end up you know replacing part of the flooring and doing some major plumbing so it was kind of cool that i remembered how to do all that so you know go to wall go to a home depot and then go I'm going to need that, 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 and that, and I want to buy some of these because I know I'll make a mess up on the cut. And then, so you get everything, and then you go home, and you commence to being a plumbing carpenter. So, fun that I remembered how to do it and got to use some skills I haven't used much anymore. But you know how it is. You go to fix this one thing, but you can't fix that one thing because you you cycle back, and these other three or four things are broken that you never realized. And then... You've got to take care of them all. That's so can fun. open worms everywhere. Yeah. Yep. Although I did learn something. You don't have to use wax when you set a commode anymore. They make this like rubber kind of seal thing that you can use now. And so, you know, if you set, like I set the commode the first time, I didn't quite line it up. Well, when I had to pick it up, that would have been a whole other wax ring. But no, I just, you can reposition them with this thing. So you can still use the wax seals, but you don't have to use the wax seals anymore. I was like, I'll pay extra for that. Thank Mm -hmm. you very much. And see, I did that with one of mine and I ended up 
spending a few more dollars than just the one with the the flange looking thing, mm-hmm. and I got one with the wax seal and the flange, so it gave me the both the, the super tight seal between the floor and the toilet and everything, and then the flange, yeah. so I didn't have to worry about ma- making sure I was lined up right. Cool. The last yeah. time I replaced a wax ring under a toilet, the uh, the bolts that hold it to the floor were so rusted solid that I couldn't tear it. I couldn't get it to loosen up. And in the process, I broke the ceramic. And so instead of replacing a ring, I replaced a toilet. Um, <laughs> so from then on, it was, let's hire a plumber. <laughs> Make them do all the heavy work. By all. Yeah. And, and ironically, where this place was, obviously the bathroom was an add-on and the, the door to it is, is much smaller than a typical door and and i couldn't get the the toilet without taking the tank off and and completely disassembling it i couldn't get it through the door so uh instead of you know so as i was wrestling with it trying to get it through and and then try i thought well okay i'm gonna have to pull it out i'm gonna have to completely disassemble it in the process i dropped it and shattered into a million pieces then it went out through the door really easily um don't don't let me do plumbing is the moral (laughs) of that story so let's talk about a little bit of news, starting with some old stuff that still is interesting. How about the world's largest SSD drive that nobody can afford just yet? Yes, Samsung now is shipping a 15 terabyte SSD. And it fits in a two and a half inch, you know, space. So it, it could be an internal drive. But 15 0.36 terabyte capacity, uh, future versions. They plan to come out with future versions that are only half that and smaller. Um, and it has 16 gigs of RAM embedded. Um, so, you know, just in case the 15 terabytes isn't enough, they'll throw a little RAM in for that. But I just thought that was like, holy crap. Um, that's just that crazy. Was, that, that just that was speechless. That much solid state storage is just nuts. Yeah, and the uh, point. the Ars Technica article says uh, if you have to ask the price, you can't afford it because comparably uh, uh, arranged products cost about a thousand dollars per terabyte. So we're looking at ten to fifteen thousand dollars for one disk. Right, uh, but man, could you imagine that? Like in a RAID zero array, just like uh, you know, dude. Uh, what yeah. is it? And not mirroring, but yeah, raid zero is is straight up mirroring. Yeah. Wait, no, zero no. striping. Zero is One striped. is mirror. Yes. Yeah. That right. that was the word striping. Can you imagine striping SSD? The kind of write rewrite you would get. Dear Lord, that would just be you know the things would literally be written before they came to the computer. That's how fast <laughs> yeah, they are. Actually, go back in time and write the data before you <laughs> created it. Um. That's uh, and that's the way the world's going, right? This is the first of its kind, but the the first is always you know the most expensive, and then it gets way cheaper. So, uh, six years from now, we'll be having laptops with those in them. Oh yeah. Then what do we do? Well, but I think I almost think that 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 much solid state storage is is ridiculous because everything's being pushed to the you know the internet storage. Why would you even need that much space when everything's in, you know f- sitting up there in the, those fluffy clouds? Yeah, this laptop I have in front of me is is got I think a three hundred gig SSD in it. Um, I could look really quickly and find out if I <laughs> cared at all. But uh, it's it's fine. I never think, oh, I need more space. 
because people just we when we create things or when I create things, I shove them straight up to the cloud or back them up somewhere else so that it's less important to have tons of storage locally unless you're in the storage business. But if you are in the storage business, a 15 terabyte SSD that's going to run cold and have lightning fast performance is is for you and it's worth $10,000. Uh, so it's it's just a matter of of perspective. It, it, we won't need them in our laptops, but the fact is we don't need most of the laptop specs that we have today. Most people have far far, far more machine than they actually need. Definitely, right. especially when you look at you know if you guys have ever put a have you guys put your hands on a Chromebook lately? It's been Man, years. those things are so nice. The uh, the anytime somebody comes to me and says my son, my daughter, my granddaughter is going to college and I want to get them a new laptop, what should I get them? I say go to Best Buy, pick the one whose color you like best, because whatever you get, it's more than they need. Yeah, pretty much. And if they if it isn't more than they need, they know, and they're not. You're not having to ask. They have told you exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. Right. I was just very impressed when I got when I put my son's Chromebook in front of me, and I was just tinkering with it the other day. And man, that thing is so nice. It's butter smooth. You have the ASUS variety. No, this is uh, this. Yeah, it's the Asus, but it's the cheap, cheap one, like a hundred bucks. It was like, like two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars retail, somewhere around there. But Asus, they make good quality stuff. I really love Asus products. I haven't. Yeah, I, I'm sure they're out there because every company makes lemons, but I haven't ran across an Asus lemon yet. I've run into one where it was just bad, but the, you know that's factory issue there. For like the last six or eight years, Asus has been number two in customer satisfaction behind Apple. And the yeah. reason uh, the reason Apple uh, customers are so happy is a ca- case of confirmation bias more than actually good hardware. If you drop three grand on a laptop, you're going to like it. No right. matter what's wrong with it, you're going to like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I mean, and, and plus, obviously, a three grand laptop is going to outperform a $300 laptop. That's right. just... You know, wow, it's it's so much faster than my Windows machine. Um, like really, the spec and the specs don't have anything to do with it. It's just it's such a better machine, right? Put together a three thousand dollar Windows machine or Linux machine, and it'll be pretty darn impressive too. Yeah, I've done that. (laughs) Did you guys see um, the? uh, It's been around for a little while now, but it just sort of popped up on my Google Plus feed. The thirty two node Beowulf Pi cluster. I've seen it. Yeah, it's been around a while. Yeah, but it, it's pretty cool. A guy uh, built a, a Beowulf cluster with 32 Raspberry Pis, and he's got two, uh, four giant fans on it. And he says in the video, I don't really need it, but they look cool. And it's got lights <laughs> and, and, and plexiglass and everything. But um, I don't know what brought that to mind, but it's cool. So let's talk about something that's not so cool. TP-Link says no more open source firmware for you. And they blame the U.S. law on it. Yeah, yeah. rather than taking the time to engineer the controls that the uh, FCC calls for um, to ensure that, you know, third-party firmware, you can't use it to crash a plane or whatever, um, they just said, okay, we're going to limit third-party um, software or firmware for this and won't be able to do it. And, of course, you know, they get to blame the FCC for their laziness. So, but yay, uh, TP, that's a... You know, the internet dies the death of a thousand cuts. They're cut number 978. We're getting close to the thousand, I tell you. Yeah. So instead of imposing hardware limitations, they want to put 
the cheapest unconfigured chips in there and control it via software and then make sure you can't put your own software on it. I I don't blame them for this. They're just no longer the hacker's router. And I'm not really sure TP-Link ever was. But no, now they they're now they're not forever, right? Yeah, they're they're the they've they've always been the drop-in replacement type things. You really don't do much to them. And uh, you know the Softpedia says FCC rules make TP-Link take a drastic step. Uh, a, this isn't all that drastic, and B, um, yawn. Yeah, it's more like FCC. They're like guys. Do y'all want to fix this? I go, wait, wait, hold it. Somebody did a quick Google search and said, we don't have to work. We can just, we can phone this one in, you guys. So, yeah, FCC justified their lack of whatever the good term there is. And moving on to another Softpedia story, Yahoo is dying. Finally, again, still, I don't even know what the right adjective is. It's just more proof. I mean, Yahoo... For me, the point that I just went, wrote them off was whenever I went to my, my Yahoo page and I went to the movies and I couldn't sort all the theaters I had listed were gone. And now I had to pick a film anyway, but they, they've, um, they're closing down Yahoo games as of May 13th, 2016, which, you know, before there was a lot of stuff you could go to Yahoo and like the whole reason I have an email a Yahoo email address is I was at a training class and the guy sitting next to me was playing dominoes dominoes uh, on Yahoo games. And I was like, I want to do that. So I created a Yahoo email account and uh, started playing dominoes while the guys up there talking about word and office and PowerPoint and stuff like that. And, um, but yeah, so now, you know, now the rise of the mobile phone, there's games everywhere and there's other websites that do the browser based games much better than Yahoo does. And most all Yahoo's was flash based. And since everybody's killing flash off, they just decided to shutter it. So it's just one less thing Yahoo does, um, that would make people want to come to their site. So it, they, it's just a company trying to figure out who they are. Originally they yep. were a, a directory, not a search. A directory, right. and you had to go list yourself in the directory. And then they wanted to be a media company, and they never really did that super well. They still, it says their car core services will be mail search, Flickr, Tumblr, news, sports, finance, and lifestyle. So they're still trying to be a media company, sort of, um, but with mail thrown in there. And I don't know how heavy their mail is, but it has come to the point that you kind of judge people by their email addresses. And when you see somebody with a Yahoo email address, you know that either they've had it like Seth for 20 years or close to it, or they're just techno idiots. Um, that's the judgment I make when I see a yeah. Yahoo address anyway. They're either gray beards or idiots, quite possibly both. Right. Yeah. I, you know, and whenever they went to like this JavaScript version of their email and it just, it slows down now. It doesn't load well. They stick ads all over the place. Their email service has gone to crap. And I find myself, you know, I haven't changed my email addresses for stuff I get, but I find myself not really using my Yahoo address because, you know, I've got, I don't know. I could probably list half a dozen email addresses I have off the top of my head, but, um, you know, Yahoo is just becoming the one I'll throw to for spam because they, they're, they're just, they're dying and mm -hmm. they don't know what to do to stop dying. And 
Alas, Yahoo, I knew thee when. I got a uh, Yahoo account for Yahoo Pager before it was Yahoo Messenger. Um, and I still have that account. And in fact, I just noticed Pigeon is logged into it right now on my, on my computer because I must have set that up years back because my family, my cousins and, and, and aunt and whatever, were on that. And that was like the family messaging service, now completely replaced by Facebook. But mm-hmm. I'm looking at it right now and I'm logged into Yahoo, I guess, Messenger, the API on Pigeon. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's still there. <laughs> it still works, I guess. Um, but, you know, only guys like me would even remember that it's there. Well, right. and the question is, honestly, who is really using Instant Messenger anymore, too? You know, that Yahoo is one of the Instant Messenger clients that was huge there for a little bit. And now that was gone the way of MSN Messenger and ICQ and all the other ones. Yeah, we do. The only one that... The only thing that seems to that has held up through the testament of time is IRC, and that's only because us graybeards don't want to let it go, or mm-hmm. neckbeards. <laughs> that too. <laughs> uh, the the times they are a changing, um, and and people have been have tried to create their own federated services. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, something. What is that? I'm. Uh, WhatsApp. No, no. Uh, I can't. Zamp. X, XMPP. Protocol. Okay. Uh, yeah, people, that's, the, that's uh, what Google was based off of for right. a while. Um, the uh, there's an open source thing there that I'm just I, wow, my spark. brain will not spark and open server open fire. Open, open fire. Right. Yep. I set one of those up at my school years ago, um, and there, you know, the the idea of federated instant messaging is is appealing to the neckbeards. But what you end up having is is the regular people go, why do I need that when I just have Facebook Messenger? And everybody yep. I know is on Facebook. I don't need federation. I need Facebook. Um, and I don't like that as as a guy who wants to own his stuff and own his thing. I'd rather have my own open fire server set up in my basement. But that's an awful lot of work. And the fact is nobody's going to do it. Yeah, and right. who's going to change over to it? That's the other thing. You don't have critical mass. So... And you know, but th- that was the thing. The nice thing about XMPP was was uh, Yahoo supported it, uh, MSN Messenger supported it, Google yep. supported it, everybody supported it um, until they didn't. <laughs> and now they don't. And it's too bad, and it's too bad that they dropped it because it was a good protocol. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, <sighs> I remember those days. Alas, poor Yahoo, we barely knew ye. Um, I they never uh, used you. Apparently, they barely knew themselves. So. Yeah, well, that, that seems to be a lot of problems with people, uh, customers or not customers, but uh, sites of old. Is that they seem to have lost their their mojo. Mm-hmm. Even even uh, Google is no longer a search company. You know, they haven't been for a long time. First, they were a search company. Then they were an advertising company. And now they're trying to be a hardware company? Question mark. Something. They recognize that that they can't be an ad company forever. So you can't be a hundred year company doing the same thing. You know, uh, Kodak, uh, Hewlett Packard, um, all these companies that uh, have have been one thing and have pivoted and had to pivot. You know, if you're a hundred year company, you're going to go through many changes. Even Ford, right? They're still a car company, but the cars they're producing now is certainly not the Model T. So they've they've pivoted in the same industry many many times. Uh, so I, I get that why Google and Yahoo would want to do that, but uh, they seem to really have a hard time finding because they grasped onto something so early that before there was anything else, to, they didn't make a market. They they grasped onto a market, and when that market went away, they don't know where to go next. Google mm-hmm. happens to have billions of dollars uh, to to waste, essentially. Yeah, they spray and play. 
and it's going to work out for them in the end because they're smart people with lots of money. But none of their shots, you know, their hardware, their their self-driving cars, none of those things even have a glimmer of profit on the horizon. That doesn't mean that they're bad ideas. just means that Google is headed the way of Yahoo um, just slower, I guess. You know, I wonder how much, like, the brain drain culture uh, plays into it. You know, people leave this company because a company would rather they're they don't want to promote you and pay you more money it's like we got you when you were nothing and you're always going to be nothing here if you want more money go somewhere else and so what they do is they bring in this high price talent and kill these other projects but can't get theirs off the ground and so you have these very smart people don't commit to anything long enough to develop an idea and to see it through because it gets back into that, you know, this quarter mindset on the balance sheet. There isn't a time to develop these things. How many times is there a product that seems like it's really cool and then it goes away before it ever did anything, you know, because it didn't make money fast enough. Somebody dropped mm-hmm. it and then maybe it comes along later by a different company, but, or it just kind of gets swallowed up because everybody wants to be a part of a startup and you want to leave your company to make more money somewhere else. Uh, you know, that the mercenary things, they go around killing companies, raking in money. And, you know, Yahoo used to be an it company to work for. Um, back in the day but it is no longer it's now a bleep company to work for and people can't seem to get out of there fast enough Uh, we should do a show on uh companies technologies ideas that died in their infancy that were good ideas that died that would be an interesting show i think Um, that that would take too much work i don't want to show (laughs) like that some somebody write that down oh wait i don't have anybody uh i don't have people um so we talked a little while back about the fact that uh, um, ransomware has come to the Mac. Well, now uh, security vulnerabilities have come to malware in itself in the iPhone, which has been a pretty safe place for now. But the cool thing is, is they're actually using Apple's own DRM to hurt them. Yeah. Um, you know, in the past, most of the things on the iPhone were because they were jailbreak or jailbroken, um, you know, anyway, or at least early paroled or something. And so Apple's response was, you screw with the device, it's your problem, we're not going to work on it. But now they do this thing where they impersonate the keys from the device. And even if you remove that um, app from your phone, if it was on there at one time, they could still have those keys. And then they use it to install basically a Trojan on the computer that impersonates iTunes and installs these malware apps on it. And it's something that's been around. So it's not like a real easy kind of set it up in five minutes type hack. Um, not quite fishing, but not quite spear fishing somewhere in the middle. And anyway, it was just an interesting story. So it looks like, you know, there is no bulletproof OS. There's no bulletproof platform. There's no bulletproof walled garden. If something exists, there's a way to get into it. And so I just wanted to bring this up, you know, and then I found several other stories about Apple, but I thought, you know, I'm not going to bash Apple. I just wanted to do this one to just bring it up. People, you know, be careful what you put on your machine because, you know, you can do things right and still get the wrong results. So you just got to be careful. One of the things as I'm reading this article now that seems to be um, 
what's biting Apple in this is their, their insistence that you tether your mobile device to a, a computer. Um, and that seems to be how this works. Something on the computer masquerades. Um, those of us in the Android world, we stopped doing that years ago. Yep. We don't we don't tether to computers anymore. Um, maybe originally you might use a computer to help transfer data from one phone to another, but Apple has been so insistent on that. Only very recently allowing Wi-Fi syncing, but still syncing to a computer. Um, and I think in no small part of that, the reason was they want everybody who buys an alpha iPhone to buy a Mac. So they're hoping that the popularity of one device can uh, drive sales to another. But it's kind of an odd thing that it is still a mandated requirement to get the most out of any Apple device. You have to have iTunes on a PC somewhere. Um, and this looks like it's their marketing ploy is turning into an Achilles heel. Yeah, that's why I called them semi-smartphones, because you couldn't do anything to them unless you had a computer to manage it. And I was like, well, then it's not a smartphone. It's a semi-smartphone. So. Right. And if I've got... If I've got a, a a gigahertz plus chip with with four megs of RAM, uh, four gigs of RAM rather, and and storage and a full on OS in my hand, why do I need to connect to anything to do anything? Uh, and Android phones early on had the same problem. They needed to to connect to the web or connect to a computer to activate, but but that was abandoned so long ago. Um, and you know now, uh. It's just odd to me that they're still mandating that, and maybe this will change that question mark. It, it. it probably won't. Um, it's it's probably still somehow your fault for uh, using only their store to get apps. Um, and you know, and part of it has to do with their, you know, they're not open or upfront about their vetting process. There's probably just some email they receive and then wait a week and then automatically approve it. Um, once the apps were pointed out to be malicious, they took them down. But really, once that was done, you're kind of SOL because if you downloaded this app thinking it was legitimate, even if it was removed, it was still able to get this kind of session key is the wrong word, but it's basically they're able to um, hijack credentials from that phone or copy them or or clone them is probably a better word and then use them, use those credentials they got to install other malware on your phone later on. Right. So they don't scrub the permissions once you remove the app. Right. The app yep. still has a toehold, uh, which I'm sure Apple did to make things easy. You might want to get that back someday and here's all your stuff. But, yep. you know, uh, so well, it, it, it's not a simple change. It's an infrastructure change. Mm -hmm. And Google's been adding, the, or not Google, but one of the uh, newer phones that is out there has added something similar to this. Um, the Robin, that was a Kickstarter uh, they have an app or a system set up where you can say, I don't want this anymore right now, but leave all your settings and all the other stuff, but dump all the the, the bases of it off into the cloud and re-download it when you want it back. So it's interesting how that problem could still come to bite an Android because of that type of system mm -hmm. on the Robin. Yeah, the Robin phone was designed to have, you know, just what I was saying earlier, you don't need local storage anymore. That's That was sort of the central design ethos of the Robin phone was minimal storage on the phone, mm -hmm. use the cloud uh, to the point of deleting and reinstalling apps multiple times in a week. You know, it decides you haven't used this one in a while. I'll purge it on your behalf. Um, interesting idea. Uh, it hasn't really taken off. 
Yeah, I would hope not because, you know, these, everything they design is designed to be used in a, in a high populated area with an excessive amount of bandwidth. When you're somewhere where if you have adequate bandwidth, you're really hamstrung because everything is on the cloud, you know, and nothing's local. So that's how come I want the 15 terabyte drive so I can set up a media server that I'll never do, you know, and that way rip all my DVDs and CDs and music and whatever and have them at my house um, and then still not use them. You know, just like I have DVDs I haven't even opened yet. I should rip them and put them somewhere (laughs) I'll never watch. Um, And the same reason I don't watch Netflix because I don't want to go into Netflix. I just want to scroll through the channels looking for some garbage that I can tolerate for five minutes on dish while overpaying my bill. As long as you're not going to watch them, you might as well not watch them locally as opposed to over the, over the air. Right. Yep. So moving from one company that has been siloed and protected to another Xbox is breaking out of the gate there and hinting at the fact that they would like to allow you to play multi multiplayer games against steam against PlayStation um, and just really going out of the gates there and saying, if you've got the game and somebody else has the game, we'll hook you up. Yes. um, They just announced this week that they would support cross network play um, between its latest gaming console. So the Xbox, I think the one One. is the, yeah. And other platforms, you know, primarily it's steam now, but PlayStation has hinted that, Hey, we'll do it too. Um, So I think it's kind of cool. You know, you can um, now, you don't have to, if you're going to buy a game, you don't have to ask your friends which one they have and get the same one, you know, because, you know, hey, I, I bought this Xbox and all your friends goes, we only play PlayStation. You're like, oh, man. So then you have to buy that one, too. So now you have an Xbox and a PlayStation. Now, as long as it's the same game, you can play cross player. Um, and again, it's something they just announced. So it's not like it's ready to roll and it's only going to be on certain games. It'll roll out over time. But the intent to move that way is basically what they announced. And I think that's pretty cool. You know, cross-platform gaming. Woo-woo. Of course, that doesn't... With that, Go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, the only problem with that is the fact that, you know, uh, this has been promised for years now. Um, we've been... This has come up and over and over and over saying, uh, we're going to have this. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. Um, and yet, it still has yet to happen. Um, so I will hold judgment back until I actually see it happen uh, because, yeah, I, I would love to play games with my brothers and my my kids and my friends because we're all over three different consoles. Um, but so, what, yeah. what that doesn't, it completely glosses over the fact that most AAA game titles are platform specific. Um, yes. And, you and know, it, like, that's been touted for a long time saying that it's a PlayStation exclusive so you're you're relegating yourself to older games or secondary market games anyway, uh, and the fact that a, a gamer with a mouse and a keyboard beats a gamer with a controller ninety nine times out of a hundred. Uh, so the, one of the reasons that that even where you could cross platform between say the Xbox and the PC when playing Halo. People didn't like to because the guys with the fine green mouse control slaughter the guys with the clumsy drunk uh, uh, PS uh, or Xbox 360 game controller uh, yeah. every time. Well, they're not just that with the ability to write up, you know, pre prefab macros, uh, macros, and and anything else like that where you can uh, get that that half a second edge. Um, 
PC is going to knock it out of the park every time. You can't do that in a Xbox or PlayStation world. Yeah, it's not yet. Uh, well, and uh, along with it, Microsoft announced keyboard support for the Xbox One. So, again, just because it's announced doesn't mean it's there yet. And even once it's there, the game developers will still have to do it. But in here, and that's another thing, just because Microsoft says, hey, we'll do it now, the game developers still have to do it. Because while, you know, the the base of the code might be the same for the different platforms, it still has to be tweaked and made platform specific. Now you have to make ways to make it compatible. So, you know, this is like step one to the finished project, you know, but the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. And this is basically what that is. So the intent is there. Um, so in the future, you know, we can talk about it uh, probably about the same time that Linux rules the desktop. That's right. <laughs> when, when Linux hits 63% of desktop absorption, um, Amazon Moving on from one Microsoft, one tech giant to another is saying, uh, that old Kindle paperwhite you've had laying in your desk drawer, you better hook it up or it's over. Yeah. They are saying that, um, if you don't do it by Tuesday, it will no longer automatically update. So that basically means all of the Kindle books you buy after then, you won't be able to get them on the old machine now. Which means if you're listening to the show when it downloaded on Wednesday, sigh about that. Yeah, but you can still like, you can still download it like to a PC and connect it over USB and do it. It will just lose the ability to automatically update unless you update soon. Excuse me. So and definitely no, go do it. No indication here on this Verge, Verge article as to why, but I could, I could totally guess why. It's security. There's some, they found a bug somewhere that needs to be fixed and they won't let them on their network because they could compromise their network. Um, yep. and so they're, they're pulling the plug until they're updated. That's, yep. that's what I think is happening. Oh, and I that totally would make agree. Sense. That, that would make sense too of why that would happen. That's why the option is there to upgrade over a PC. Uh, the nice thing about these Kindles is there's really nothing in them other than the battery that can die. The e ink screen is essentially immortal. They don't yep. burn in. They don't wear out. Uh, they, you know, they don't run out of e ink lubricant. <laughs> They're just there forever. And if all, and, and you can download thousands of books on them. So you may have downloaded a library of books four years ago. And haven't touched it since. That's entirely plausible. Uh, haven't needed to be on the network, so it hasn't been updated. Yeah. What else can we say All about right. it? All it's, right. It's, I can't wait to see how many angry blog posts we get because it's all broken. That should be fun. <laughs> I don't even, I'm not even going to pre-click this link because Seth's description of it is so perfect. A plague of biblical proportions is upon our digital lives. Yes, this is a softpedia article and researchers from, I never could pronounce this, uh, S-C-C-U-N-I-A. Secunia. Sec- yeah, Secunia. They detected over, and this is in 2015, they detected over 16,000 vulnerabilities in 2,484 software applications from 263 different vendors, a 2% increase compared to 2014 and a 39% rise compared to 2010. And here's the thing, because, because the amount of bugs being discovered and disclosed is exploding, they aren't, they don't monitor as much software as they used to. Um, but it's just, 
you know, bugs, bugs everywhere. You know, the last time there were this many bugs around, locusts were consuming all of the um, <laughs> crops in Egypt. So, but yeah, and I am most proud of, the of title. them come through the browser. Uh, yep. No surprise there. And most of them attack known bugs that have been patched. No surprise there. Update people. Yeah. Definitely update. And so. I was just going to say, uh, from the list they did, most of the vulnerabilities were in Chrome, followed by Adobe Flash, Adobe Air, Firefox, Internet Explorer, Windows 7, Adobe Reader, Apple's iTunes, Orca, JRE, Oracle, JRE, and Microsoft Excel. So, Which is so surprising to me because that goes in reverse order of what we perceive as uh, stable. Yep. Other than Flash, take Flash out of that. That's the the one that is the the one you expect. But Chrome, uh, we 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 geeks think Chrome is stable. Uh, Firefox, uh, we think is stable. IE, that's not surprising. Uh, Windows Seven, you know, with uh, is is far down the list now. Windows Seven is a hardened thing. Adobe Reader, uh, we we all kind of just think that that's a, a thing. So the top three are the ones that we expect to to be secure and the bottom to their java jre how many times have we talked on this show about java exploits and yeah. yet it's it's at 81 compared to chrome's 516 well but you also got to remember though with chrome that updates as fast as they can push them out so you never see the update window actually hit for chrome uh because they're taking care of you so that doesn't surprise me that they have so many more bugs uh, that's and true. Microsoft Excel being on, at the top of the list there, people don't know how powerful Excel is. It is not just a calculator. It is a full-on development platform, mm -hmm. and and it's so powerful that nobody knows how to use all of it. But not only that, but it can do real damage in your machine. So that's why uh, a hacker would go at, after Excel to to do that because it's it's such Macros. a powerful tool macros they are the sin of the world um did you guys see the news about the bbc and the new york times getting nailed by a pd or a drive-by cryptoware again yes uh, by ads serving ads on their websites yep and and we've we've talked about this before you you vetted the company six months ago and they drop they change their their stuff and now they're dropping in stuff uh evil stuff and you don't know it because you already vetted the company and you did your due diligence but mm -hmm. you know too bad so sad for you and too all little, of your late. visitors mm -hmm. ads ads need to go away for a lot of reasons and that's one of them or the type of ads that we have now you know advertising is a good thing i am pro advertising but the way that we're doing it clearly doesn't work yeah at least not for law-abiding people. <laughs> so, I, again, I don't even know. Seth has gotten so good at at um, wrapping his links in a in a in a riddle wrapped in an enigma, surrounded <laughs> by a conundrum. And I didn't have time today to go pre uh, look at his links, so I just have to read it and hope he's going to take it. Is HTTPS really HTTP? Is uh, and I, the I there stands for insecurity. Um, because attackers can hijack roughly 95% of all HTTPS connections, and that is because of missing or improperly configured strict transport security, um, HSTS. And yep. 
this is we we've talked about this before in order to be backwards compatible you can configure which protocols you allow to connect to your server and some of the protocols that are still recognized by the browsers are so old and they've been broken and hacked and flaws found and they aren't actively developed that you can have a quote-unquote secure connection but the crypto on it is so weak in order that somebody who's running you know the latest version of internet explorer that would fit on xp can still connect to their site or you know somebody switched over to firefox but they're running like firefox 6 and never did the auto updating and so they can still connect to the site but they can't do it with the latest protocols but you still want them to be able to get on facebook and to so you can push advertising to them you lower the security standard of your site and somebody can say hey our first choice is no security our second choice is crappy security our third choice is bad security do you allow any of those and then they go yes we do as a matter of fact we allow bad security so then they connect and then some type of man in the middle attack can see oh my gosh i can break this code on my fingers i don't even need to use a computer and then they've pwned your session and now all of your bank balance belong to us And so you, the user, see a secure, strong AES 64-bit or Mm -hmm. 128-bit connection because that's what you've got to the hacker. Right. Um, That's the classic man in the middle. To you, everything looks good because they want to make sure everything looks good. Yep. Um, And so it's a little alarmist here to say 95% of all today's servers. uh, Actually, the the headline was 95% of all HTTPS connections can be hacked. But really what they mean is 95% of all servers they checked accept bad security. Those those two really don't go together. To, to say that we accept bad security is not to say that that you can hijack uh, a connection to all of them. You can be a mad in the middle using poor connection to 95% of the servers they surveyed. That's That's wrong, or it's not correct to say that that means that you can hack 95% of the connections. So bad on you, Softpedia, for your uh, headline writing. But still, it's something to pay attention to. If you run a web server, see, I don't even have HTTPS on my web server. So uh, my security is no security. Um, and I think that's actually better to have no security than think people are, are secure. Um, and I hope that nobody puts anything significant. I hope that in my um, you know, forums, you're not using the same password and username you use on your bank. Uh, but so I'm not, it's, it's not that it's not secured. It is secured in the database, but the connection is not. Uh, and so that one of the reasons I've done that is because I don't want to, I would rather have no security than try to make sure that I always have the latest security. Maybe that's the wrong mentality, but it's the one I have. Yeah. Well, but see, the problem with that is that, you know, um, Google and other sites like that, they're depreciating the results that aren't HTTPS. So if somebody is looking for, hey, if I just wanted to listen to Geek's rant, what what could I find? So we're going to fall behind the other places because our connections are HTTP and not HTTPS. So, you know, because you understand the role of security and most people don't, you've prevented most people from finding us on the first page. Uh, and that's an oversimplification, you know, mm-hmm. but it, that's in a nutshell what's going on. 
On the latest version of Chrome on Windows, I don't see it yet on my Linux machine. When I go to my own website, I get a little Linux. It's just a little icon that that uh, is like a green uh, circle with a line through it, if I remember correctly. Uh, and when you go there, it says this site does not offer security. Um, so, yeah, at this point, it's just a raise the flag. And people would say with things like Let's Encrypt, why wouldn't you? Well, I'm on a shared server. I don't have full access to Apache. That's one reason. And the other is I don't want to. If it comes to the choice between um, maintaining encryption for data that is not important, I mean, everything on my website is public. You log into the forums to post something publicly. That's the whole point. Uh, if it comes to that, I will just uh, off outsource that to some other service and let them worry about it because I'm not yeah. willing to, for what I do, for, for things that I do in the public, I don't see the point, and I actually think it's mildly detrimental to secure it, not hugely, but mildly. Yep, I don't, I don't disagree. And, you know, and even though... You know, it, when you add that security, you add a little bit of complexity, so it slows it down a little, but that's negligible with most of today's uh, speeds. Just want yeah, to put that out there. I wouldn't even, would even count it as, a, as, you know, you're getting, you're degrading the service because with how fast our computers and servers are now, that's, that, that time right. is almost, you know, you can't even, t- you can't even feel it. That's well, yeah. That's why, but I just wanted to throw it out there just to add some more crap to the article. <laughs> and I, I, I am still working on moving over to a digital ocean, having my own virtual server. I'm, I'm, you know, that's going slowly because you people don't pay me enough to quit my day job. I, if you did, I'd be all over this. Uh, but uh, so that is something I'm working on. And when I have my own server, I will have some encryption on it. Uh, but for right now, it's just there's the the effort to value is is in the negative. Um, yeah. And moving on, this is one that that I've actually looked at myself. It's pretty cool. Western Digital has their own pie based hard drive. Yes, yeah. a um, and it took me a while to catch this, but um, it's a 314 gig device. Um, it's it's based on their 500 gig platform, but you know because the Pi is uh, limited in power and things, it's designed to run on a lower power. Um, and you know the one one cord USB and all of that. And so for a limited time, the suggested retail price is 45.81, but there's a limited discount of 31.4 percent for a net price of $31 and 42 cents. Um, the 314 gig hard drive comes with a two year limited warranty and is available along with Pi drive accessories through the company's website. Um, if you are so inclined to add a hard drive to your, um, Pi computing device, you know, they've released the Pi three now that is, I think like twice as powerful as the Pi two. Um, mm-hmm. and this is a, a spinning disc drive. It's not an SSD. Uh, if I remember correctly, but it's it's made for sharing, right? They have their uh, Sky Drive. No, that's Microsoft. I forget what they call it, but it's a drive drive designed to plug into the internet and and be shared. Um, and so you've got your own you know own cloud. Or uh, back in the day, I bought a Pogo plug. That's mm-hmm. that's what this is. Uh, and 300 gigs isn't a lot, but it you know if you just need like your Dropbox kind of thing uh, to plug in there for 30 bucks, jump on that sucker. That's the cost of a Pi, by the way. So for slightly uh, uh, more than the cost of a Pi, you can get a Pi with a, a 300 gig drive. It's not bad, not bad. Definitely go out and get it if you're in the if you're in the Pi world. 
if you need it, it's a no brainer. If you don't need it, there's no reason to, yeah. uh, but you know, uh, at, at 31 bucks, why not give it, give it to somebody else. Some uh, geek hey, in your life wants well, it. There's no reason you couldn't just stick this in a regular computer. You know, it's not like, right. it's Throw not like away. it's a different language. You could just get a computer or just get a hard drive and you have a 300 gig hard drive, um, for $30. Yeah. Plus okay. a pie. Does it, does it, it come comes with, with the, pie? the pie? Doesn't it, it? I don't think so. Okay. I misunderstood. I thought it came with the pie. No, it, that would be okay. super cheap. Um, all right. So never mind what I just said there. Okay. But yeah. Cause I was like, what are you talking about? I don't understand. But I didn't actually read your article. I had read about it previously. And so uh, I was remembering poorly. Ah, uh, I hate when that happens. Uh, it happens more as I get older. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> but luckily, passport, you don't remember thank it happening. You, Rick, in the chat room, that's exactly the one I was thinking of: the My Passport disc, uh, drive, which is comes with its own Dropbox-ish software on it. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Western Digital drives; have been for a long time. Um, yeah, I, I used too. to tell people that uh, of all the years uh, I did. Um, enterprise work there for the school thousands of hard drives uh every failure i ever had was on a western digital drive but that was because 99 percent of the drives i bought weren't western digital so i kind of skewed the numbers there um <laughs> but the few times i strayed from it and did like a seagate uh, i had more trouble with those than with western digital uh especially the the black series are really high quality drives i'm a big fan of western yep. digital yeah that's definitely one of their better brands is the black. Yeah, the caviar black. Good stuff. And the caviar green was apparently low energy made for servers. Uh, I never tried that. But Western Digital, they're, they're both inexpensive and high quality, or at least they used to be. I haven't bought one in a while. See, I, when I was buying a lot of hard drives for the school, um, I would always buy, depending on, it was blacks for the desktops and greens for the servers. And the greens were great. Uh, they, they just ran at a slower speed. So instead of being 7,200 RPM, it was 5,400 RPM. So. I had some 10K RPMs uh, drives. It sounded like a jet engine taking off when I spun that thing up. The Barracudas? The Raptors. The Raptors. That's what it was, Raptor. I had a RAID 6 array. uh, So that was striping plus redundancy, double redundancy, Mm -hmm. um, running 10K drives. Uh, Dang. Not only was it loud, it was hot. It generated a lot of heat. Uh, oh, I, I bet. To, but it was it was cool. <laughs> it was hot but cool all at the same time. So that's it. That's uh, 10-ish news stories. I didn't even bother to count them all. Good and true. Seth did his job. We've been we've been uh, ignoring him uh, for a while. Now, I, I do want to say that my feedback on the last show, The Geek Rant Gets Political, has been way lower than I expected and more positive than I expected. So clearly we didn't do something right. We did a political show and nobody's cussed me out about it yet. Huh. Uh, so something's not right. Um, I did I did have, and I'm not even going to go look it up um, um, unless I can find it just while I'm ranting here, but a guy whose email address was, oh, here it is. Uh, uh, his his name is Think Gnu. Um, and he um, was talking about my saying that I'm fed up with Linux a few shows back. Um, and he, he's the last line of his email says, you ignore many issues regarding the privacy and freedom issues surrounding the uses of various online services and Chromebooks to do your computing. And the only thing I have to say to that is, yes, I do. 
<laughs> okay. I, I just I do. It, that I do not make purchasing decisions. I do not make usage decisions based on freeness. I just don't. Um, so I understand that that's important to you. Your name is Think Gnu. Um, so I, I, I get that that's important to you. It's just not to me. So you need to understand where this is coming from. You and I live in different worlds uh, in, in terms of thought, and I don't make usage decisions based on um, uh, f- the principles of openness. I just don't. Uh, I, I, if I can use open, um, and it's functional, I will, because I find there's more, ver- uh, um, versatility there, but it, it's just not, uh, what's the word I'm looking It's not an ideology. I don't perch, I don't put my money where my ideology is there. So, you know, just well, going to say that. You had used a phrase when you were in the education world uh, every day that I really liked, and I used it a lot. Um, I would try something because it's free, but I'll only use it if it's good. Exactly. So, uh, yep. But yeah, you know, so it's like, I'm. why am I going to make myself do three times as much work whenever I can get this other product over here? Um, that does all of that stuff already. Now, I mean, granted, sometimes, well, because that was coded by slave monkeys in India, you know, and this was coded by hardworking developers here in America or what, you know, there's, there are rationale to that. But, you know, a lot of times the, the open has in or the free has in Libre, um, is a lot more non free has in time. Uh, all right. I just wanted to say that we didn't, I didn't have much feedback. Actually, I didn't put any in the show notes. Uh, I'm expecting to get more as people, more and more people listen to the show. And we'll probably, like we did the Facebook, have a full uh, political fire uh, follow up. The first bit of uh, feedback I got at all immediately after the show uh, was recorded last week was somebody listening uh, live and said, don't ever do that again. Your geeks don't talk politics. Uh, okay. Wow. I, that's, that's reasonable. Uh, Criticism, I understand that, but we kind of told you right from the start, you might want to skip this one. Um, so we'll see there. But that was from Think Gnu. I just wanted to share that. I, not even the rest of uh, of his thing, because he's talking about DMCA. He misunderstood what I've said many times over the show, so it's not really worth going over. But you know, he accused me rightly of ignoring um, the uh, the privacy and freedom issues when I make my purchasing decisions. Yes, I do. You are correct. So having said all of that, Seth, what happened this week in history? Okay. Well, the court, I wanted to involve the courts because, you know, we all love the courts and the great job they do with American copyrights. Um, March the 19th, 1972, um, Anastoff, or A-T-A-N-A-S-O-F-F, he's judged the official inventor of computers, um, John Vincent Atanasoff, and again, I, I can barely speak English, I'm off. I'm awful with names. He emerges as a victor in a protracted U.S. legal battle for the title of the inventor of the electronic digital computer. A judge determined that his work had preceded and contributed to the development of the INAC machine whose inventors had previously been credited. So that and happened ENIAC this was week in history. 48, somewhere around there. So he'd been fighting that battle for almost 30 years. Wow. Right. Uh, and of course, you know, it was commissioned or it was unveiled in 48. It was like, it took like four or five years for them to actually build it from the time they started. So the work on the ENIAC started, you know, long time before that, like during world war two. 
But yes, that happened this week in history. Um, wanted to get, you know, that's something that I'd never heard of this guy, um, before, but you know, I, I heard of the INAC in when I took my history of computing class or computer literacy class in the mm-hmm. eighth grade. Um, yeah, but my I don't eighth grade computer literacy class told me that Charles Babbage was the father of modern computing. Well, he was like a grandfather, you know, precursor, the difference engine that he never built, but his, somebody in his family tree built a working model years later. Um, but yes, he basically developed a diagram of the difference engine, but I don't believe he produced it and it was, was her not name, electronic. Ada, Ada, Ada Lovelace. Lovelace was yeah. like his assistant and, um, something. And this is what I don't understand. She kind of helped do the programming, but the machine was never built. So anyway, there you go. There, there's some geek. There's a little extra geekery for you, um, listener. Since uh, this, we weren't as geekery as last year, last week. This just came to my mind. I don't know why. I don't, nothing you said should have sparked this, but it did. Uh, a physics, uh, history book I was reading recently talked about the first time in the 80s, somewhere on there, they tried to build a mathematical theoretical model of the, the Big Bang, uh, taking what we know of the laws of physics and working it backwards. They literally melted a computer, got it <laughs> so hot doing so many calculations that it melted down. Um, and for some reason, you're talking about Ada Lovelace reminded me of that. Maybe she was involved. It would be uh, ridiculous to think that. But somehow that triggered that. But we've come to a place now where where these theoretical models can be done, not easily, but they're certainly done on a regular basis. But there was a time when it generated so much effort on the part of the machine that it literally melted itself in the process. There's some history for you. There you go. Uncredited, yeah, don't want to know where or the date, may have dreamed the whole thing. But there's my This Week in History. <laughs> <laughs> this epoch in history. <laughs> so, Seth, uh, tell us what you have brought this week to lower my productivity so that you look like a better hiring option. Okay, this is deepblackhole.com. Um, you really have to have sound. It, it's... Otherwise, it makes no sense. But and it's not a weird, obnoxious sound. Just to understand the website, you have to have sound. When I played it in Chrome, no sound came up. Oh, well, that would be because I had it muted for the hang. Okay, anyway. But anyway, it worked fine. I just now realize why it didn't work in Chrome when I did it before. But deepblackhole.com. Just, it's weird. It's pointless. Um, <laughs> that's why I came up with it. Are you guys hearing it? Yep. Coming through my computer. Uh, uh, no, uh, I did. Let's just let's just say Wild E Coyote would be proud. Yes. <laughs> um, and apparently it's a one shot deal. Apparently, you because refresh the page. You can double click after it's dropped, and you'll get another one. Okay. I've been trying to throw it in there because you can throw the stone. Oh, and it falls when you double click it. <laughs> uh huh. I got nothing. It won't come back to me. It's still falling. Yeah, you got to wait for it to finish. Deepblackhole.com. Try and get it to th- try and throw it in the hole. That's kind of hard. That. Yeah. Did you drop it or did you like fling I it? Tossed it up. Oh, no. I'm trying to fling it from like the lower left. Okay. Because there's a little bit of physics going on where it, it kind of says, all right, well, if you let go here, it's going to go this far. I, I love the fact that, uh, um, 
we have such, I've mentioned this before, we have such well-developed physics engines that a website, a one-trick pony website that doesn't really do anything yeah, can have a realistic physic, physics engine. So impressive. We, we just, it's a great world we live in. It is. Yeah. It'd be cooler when it's, when we, you know, fix some of the bugs that we all know is out there. We don't yeah. have, um, net, we have net neutrality. One of one of the uh, common things in both philosophy and physics is what if we're, um, you know, the simulation of some scientist in a computer? What if we're Angry Birds, you know, <laughs> and some guy is playing Earth on his That's iPhone funny. as he waits at the train? That's a funny thought. <laughs> yeah, um, there was an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Where they um, got Moriarty in the box, and you know they talked about what if we're all some simulation, right. and then they all kind of turned and looked at the camera. So that's like the only time I ever remember them breaking the fourth, the wall. fourth wall. But uh, it was really cool. So, by the way, Reed Johns calls these red shirts if you haven't already, just based on that. So that's all I'm going to say there. This is the part of the show where I tell you how you can contact us, how you can be a valuable member of the show. First thing uh, you can do as TAA Linux and Rick Crouch have done tonight, and you can be live chatting with us and trying to distract me as the show goes on. It's harder to do than it used to be. Uh, yes. That used to be Chris's main goal during the days of the old Tightwad Tech Show. He would log on just to distract me, and uh, he has actually thinned the herd. He has made me better, uh, so that <laughs> the, so that you know don't have to listen to me going squirrel anymore. But it was uh, fun. But, it was a great time. Yes. <laughs> Apparently, all it takes to distract you is one score of days. So, <laughs> yeah. we uh we record roughly 7 p.m. Eastern time ish on on Sunday nights. Gen generally, we start before 7:30. Um, uh, no, wait, we start. We're supposed to start at 7:30. Generally, we start before 8 Eastern time. I'll let you Google where that actually is in your time zone. But we love having people hang out with us live. Uh, so come do it. But also, you can go to elementop.com, click the contact us button at the top of the page, uh, answer the world's hardest captcha and uh, send us your comment that way. Or you can send an email to geekrant at elementop.com. That goes to all three of us simultaneously. Or if you would like your voice to appear right here alongside mine, sharing the electrons with me, you can do, um, uh, send a voicemail to uh, I am Opie. No, gosh, what's the phone number? Uh, <laughs> I don't remember the phone number. Is it a? Uh, uh, I don't remember it at all. So I'm not going to pretend. I am Opie. Eight eight. Or I am Opie. Right. I don't think that's it. Is that it? I don't remember. I have completely blanked. Okay, on I'm clicking number. on contact us, and it's thinking about it. Well, it's not there anymore. I had to take it down. Um, five five nine. I am Opie. That's, yeah, that's it. it. Okay. Five five nine. I am Opie. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! My brain just went. I remember uh, Paul Harvey doing that one day, doing uh eight hundred two eight two bows. Um, when he was doing, and he couldn't remember the phone number, and right there he just kind of broke down and had an aneurysm doing his Paul Harvey, and he said, "Well, just look it up." <laughs> Just, uh, so i i can say that i have failed as spectacularly as paul harvey that's probably the only way that we will ever be alike uh but 559 i am op that will uh leave uh, you can leave a voice message there on our google voice mailbox and we'll put you on the show we love when people do that people haven't done that as much lately i did get a uh, voxer from uh 
somebody, I can't remember who, uh, but I don't have an easy way to play that on the air, and then I forgot about it until just now, so that's my real reason. Uh, but he left us a voicemail over Voxer, which is a possibility if you want to search me out. Uh, oddly enough, Mark Cockrell is not such a rare name, so you may not find uh, me that easily, but you're welcome to uh, try it out. Anyway, all those ways we like to hear from you. Thanks for hanging out with us, and uh, we'll see you next week, because that's it for this episode of The Geek Rant. <laughs>